Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Good morning. I hope you're enjoying this study in May 2019. We are in the portion of our study that has to do with the delegated authority given by God to elders and local congregations. In the New Testament, we read about those elders uh, using various terms and various translations, bishops, pastors, elders, shepherds, overseers, and I want us today to look at 1 Peter chapter 5, the first few verses of that chapter. While you're turning there, let me say that I'm really excited about our trip to Israel. We are leaving in just about four days. I'm already starting to pack my suitcase. And we are going with diggers literally from around the world. Looking at my list, I noticed that I believe we have some from Australia. I think New Zealand. I don't have my list in front of me, but I know all parts of the continental United States as well, from the Midwest, from Texas, from up in the Northeast, a good concentration from the Southeast. So I'm very excited to get to be with you and to finish this study about shepherds in the land of many shepherds around the uh, Sea of Galilee, around the city of Jerusalem, around Capernaum. It's very exciting for me to think about sitting down on the shores of the Sea of Galilee and having an actual podcast and talking to you people, you ladies who are sisters and special to me, but you will be around the world at that time. And it is very is a great blessing from God that we get we have this technology so that we can continue our study even while a group of diggers makes uh, our pilgrimage through the the place where Jesus walked we are very excited about that so as I think about the eldership today I want to begin reading I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version and first Peter chapter 5 beginning in verse 1 it says so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed shepherd the flock of God that's among you exercising oversight not under compulsion but willingly as God would have you not for shameful gain but eagerly not domineering over those in your charge but being examples to the flock and when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the unfading crown of glory the question of the hour in our study is do elders today lead simply by example or do they have authority to make decisions for us and instruct us and rebuke us in congregational settings do they have authority to make decisions in areas of judgment not violating God's Word of course but do they have authority over us or is their leadership simply to be done by example well you might look at verse 3 there and say well it says not domineering over those in your charge but being examples to the flock I just want to suggest to you that the very next verse follows that up by saying when the chief shepherd appears well that's Jesus you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So as we're looking at the chief shepherd, I want to ask you a question. Does the chief shepherd direct us by example? 
you would most definitely say yes because that is the reason he came to this earth first of all he came to seek and save that which was lost to die on the cross for us so that we could have the hope of heaven but he came to teach us how to live he came to show us God in man form, showing us how God behaves, how God as a man treats his fellow man, how God as a man responds to God the Father. Jesus is the chief shepherd and certainly he leads by example. But I want to ask you, does he lead us by authority? Does he have the right to tell us what to do? Well, he said all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. He is God. He has the right to command us. So may I just suggest to you that directing by example and directing by command are not exclusive of one another. And good shepherds have to do both as the great chief shepherd did. And we're going to see that very clearly here. It says... I exhort you as a fellow elder, Peter was an elder, he did have a wife by the way, so he wasn't the first pope, but he was an elder, a congregational elder in the simple New Testament church, a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. He says, you shepherd the flock of God that's among you, exercising oversight. I love that because that is the contrasted two-dimensional part of an elder's work. You lead and guide as a shepherd does his sheep, but you exercise oversight. You're in charge of, you're guarding, and we're going to define some of these words. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples. And when the chief shepherd will appear, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Let's look at those words there. Let's look first of all at the word for elders. And we see that word in the very first verse of the chapter. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. We look at that word elder. It's uh, from the Greek word presbyteros. And when we look at it in its full definition, it says it's a noun. A senior, especially an Israelite Sanhedrist, also figuratively a member of the Celestial Council or the Christian Presbyter or Elder. It literally means an old man, the elder of two people, advanced in life, a senior. But it's a term also, secondarily, of rank or office. It was a term among the Jews in the Sanhedrin, having that origin, it was also referred to of those who in separate cities managed public affairs. So among Christians then, it was those who presided over the assemblies or the churches themselves. And the New Testament uses the term bishop, elders, and presbyters interchangeably. So it's important that as we look at that term, we realize that it could that word itself could just mean an elderly man. But in this sense, it's obvious that we're talking about the office of an elder because it is a uh, not domineering but being examples to the flock over and exercising oversight, shepherding the flock of God in verse 2. So here we're talking about those who are in charge of the New Testament churches. 
So it says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. And then he asked them to shepherd the flock of God that's among you. Shepherd there, of course, is a verb. It's translated feed in the King James Version. They are to feed the flock. And the, the word is poimeno, and it means to feed, to tend a flock, to keep sheep, listen, to rule, to govern, to furnish pasture for food, to nourish, to supply the requisites for the soul's need. So feed or shepherd, care for, guide, all of those are included in that verb, shepherd the flock of God that's among you. And then it says, exercising oversight. The King James Version there says, taking the oversight thereof. We look up that word oversight. It's from the word episcopeo, to oversee, to look diligently, to take the oversight, to look after, to care for to look carefully, to beware. So they are to take the oversight of the bodies. When I think about um, the word oversight there, we also find that a form of that word also in Acts 20, chapter 28, where the elders are told, I wanna be sure that I get that exactly right, so I'm gonna turn there in Acts 20, Verse 28, the elders are told, I'm going to read it exactly right, Take heed therefore to yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost, that's authority, have made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he's purchased with his own blood. So taking the oversight would be the verb form there of the same word, episcopaeus, as we find in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, when it says, He's made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. The chief shepherd purchased this body and then gave it to the oversight of episcopaeus, bishops, elders, pastors, overseers. So we find the a form of that same word that we find in 1 Peter 5, also in Acts 20, verse 28. As I was thinking about that then, I proceeded down to verse 4 of chapter 5 of 1 Peter, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So when I looked at that, um, actually the King James Version is much the same, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. But when I looked at chief shepherd there. It is a word that is not presbyteros. It is not episcopaeos. It is archipoimen, and it means a head shepherd, the chief shepherd. And that word in its entirety is only used one time in the New Testament, speaking of Christ, the head of the church. So Christ is the chief shepherd, having his own term in this passage. And when he appears, these elders, having done their job, not being for shameful gain, doing it willingly, 
not and being examples as they guide the flock exercising oversight when they have fed the flock faithfully they will receive the unfading crown of glory so i've been looking over a book this month as we've been studying called a shepherd looks at psalm 23 and this book written by a shepherd examining the shepherd's psalm of psalm 23 and then talking about our responsibilities to be subject to the authority of the chief shepherd and thus by implication those shepherds in our congregations today who have his delegated authority this shepherd noted that the first sheep farm that he purchased as a young man was a piece of derelict land that had been as he calls it sheeped to death and this is a man named philip keller and he explained what that meant that those sheep had been in that pasture for so long that the parasites the worms the um, other infestations nematodes scab all of those things had developed in that land they had eaten that grass for so long that they were eating parasites and the land was being wasted the sheep were becoming sickly and of course that pasture was no longer productive and then he went on to explain how very important it is for the sheep to be watching for nutrition in the soil and in the grass upon which the sheep are feeding and he went on to say that it is an extremely important responsibility if you're going to have productive sheep if you're going to have sheep that bear healthy offspring and that are good for wool and good for milk and good for all of those meat it is very important that shepherds are very watchful of what kinds of nutrition those sheep are eating he went on to say some some important things then conversely about our responsibility to shepherds who are trying to lead us to that healthy nutrition who are trying to guide us to a non-parasitic kind of feeding in our case it would be the unadulterated fertile word of god in isaiah 53 verse 6 it says we all like sheep have gone astray each of us has turned to his own way turning to my own way simply means that I am doing what I want to do rather than get this submitting to the authority that we've shown from first Peter 5 that a true Shepherd has and this I will do if I am like the sheep of Isaiah 53 verse 6 I will do in spite of every warning Proverbs 14 12 says there's a way that seems right to a man but in the end it leads to the ways of death and then I wanted to share with you in conclusion six points that mr. Keller makes and he says that fresh attitudes have to be acquired by sheep that have gone astray and have put their wills rebelliously above the authority of God and I love these and I'm going to think on these and pray about these for my own life and I wanted to share them with you today I've con combined a couple of the ones that he made so that we just have six points and I'll leave you with these 
Number one, instead of loving myself the most, I have to be willing to love Christ best and others more than myself. He said this, the moment that I deliberately do something definite, either for God or for others, that costs me something, then I'm expressing love. The selfish, selfless, rather, agape love and self-sacrifice in contradistinction to selfishness. Number one, instead of loving myself the most, I have to be willing as a sheep to love the shepherd the most. Number two, instead of being one of the crowd, I have to be willing to be singled out and set apart from the gang. We've talked so many times about that important characteristic of separation. Even when the beast around the throne said, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, they could have been saying separate, separate, separate. In concept, that's the, that is the meaning. Lord God Almighty. God is separate. He is holy. And He has called us out to be used for His purposes. And thus in this world, we can't just be one of the gang. We have to decide that we're willing to take an amount of criticism, sarcasm, cynicism from the society around us. So number three, instead of insisting then on my rights, I'm willing to forego my rights in favor of others. That means I'm going to put my pride aside. I'm going to take a back seat. I'm going to play second fiddle. I'm not going to walk around with a feeling of being abused or being uh, maltreated by other people. I'm not going to constantly be talking about some sort of bias that's against me. I'm going to put those things aside for the cause and I will be then a sheep that is willingly submissive to the authority of the chief shepherd and his shepherds here on the earth. Number four, instead of being the boss then, I'm willing to be at the bottom of the pile, at the bottom of the heap. I've been studying from Ephesians 4 too lately, telling us some of the things that we must add to ourselves if we want to be God's united people there in the first verses of Ephesians chapter 4. And it says there that lowliness is the first one of those characteristics. Lowliness means being willing to be down low at the bottom of the pile. Are you willing to put your interests at the bottom of the pile so that the interests of others can take precedence over your own? A hallmark of the peaceful, serene soul that can be united with God's people is the absence of self-purposed drive. Now we need to have drive. We need to be motivated. We need to be people who are shakers and movers, but we need to do that in the context of accomplishing for the chief shepherd. Number five, instead of finding fault with life and always asking why, I am willing to accept every circumstance of life in an attitude of gratitude. Think about Job and I think about his real human tendency to ask why. And of course, he had more of a reason to ask why than probably any of us, certainly than I do and probably any of you who are listening. But God turned that question around on him and said, Job, let me ask you some things. Where were you? Where were you? when I created the hoary frost on the ground? Where were you when 
I spoke this world into existence. Where were you when I hung the Pleiades? And it goes on and on and on. We, as sheep, stop asking why me and really start asking why not me? Why not me? As a possession, a purchased possession that was lost for eternity. Why not me, God? And how can you use this bad thing that's happening in my life as you promised you would in Romans 8, 28? All things, all things work together for good to those who are the called according to his purpose. The called out, the sanctified, those who are set apart, who are willing to not just be one of the gang anymore. It's going to use my sanctification for something for his glory and for my ultimate eternal benefit. Why don't I just stop saying, why me? And start saying, how, Lord? How are you going to use this? I can't wait to see how you're going to use this tragedy for your and my ultimate triumph. It's a hard thing to do. And certainly Cindy Colley is not saying she does that perfectly or even well. But that is our, as sheep, it is our lot to get in line behind the shepherd as he's guiding us and leading us. And then finally, instead of choosing my own way then, I'm willing to choose to follow in Christ's way. Simply to just do what Jesus asks me to do. Hebrews 13 verse 7, if you want to be turning there, we will close with Hebrews 13 verse 7, which says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, imitate, considering the issue of their life or the end of of their conversation and then it closes by saying Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever ladies it's just simple two basic concepts here the first is that a shepherd has both authority and gentle leadership by example those are not mutually exclusive in fact they necessitate one another that's the first concept. And then the second concept is that if we are going to be submissive to the authority of Jesus Christ, we of necessity will be submissive to the authority of the shepherds, the elders, the presbyteros, the episcopos, episcopaos, however you say that word. He will Submit ourselves to the oversight of those shepherds within our congregations. Thank you for listening. Thank you for studying this month, the authority of the shepherds and elders. If you find yourself in Huntsville, Alabama, we'd love for you to worship with us at West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest. Sunday morning worship begins at 9 a.m., followed by Bible classes for all ages. We meet again at 5 p.m. for evening worship and at 7 on Wednesday night. Dig a Bit is a production of Digging Deep in God's Word, a Bible study for women. For more information, visit thecolleyhouse.org.